Hi, I'm Ray. My pronouns today are they, them. And you're listening to Insert Quest here. Today's quest is actually going to be Live, Love, Die, Remember. But this time, unlike the previous two times, we're actually going to be playing the multiplayer version. Uh, and with me is my friend, Andrew. Hi, uh, I'm Andrew. Um, my pronouns are he, him, or they, them. Uh, thank you for uh, having me on the show, Ray. Indeed. I am excited to play a game with you because I don't think we've role-played together before. We have not. Although it is a thing that we talk about semi-regularly, as mm. well as talking about mechs semi-regularly. Mm -hmm. um, uh, Andrew and I both have a interest and love of mecha uh, to some extent. Um, and so we're going to play this romance game about tragedy. It's going to be awesome. I'm very excited. Uh, I'm relatively new to my enjoyment of Mecca, so I'm excited to, to experiment with it a little bit. Excellent. So, uh, we just sort of start off by reading this game together. I think I will read these the first page um, and those paragraphs, and then you can read uh, the next few on page. What is this page called? Describe the war, that section. Sure, um, sounds good. So, uh, in this game, we each play as an AI-enabled, humanoid, militarized robot. A mech. One that has fallen in love with their pilot. We'll be exploring our mech's memories as they are confronted with a choice during their final battle. We will need some dice-ish, maybe. We can get away with a random number generator. I have dice, don't worry. Uh, we will need some scraps of paper. Again, you need something to keep notes on. Um, and we will need something to mark our skin. So this is actually important because after each uh, mission, we mark our skin. Um, specifically, we mark our chassis. Uh, is the language. So I have my permanent marker too. Um, uh, there are some tables in this game, uh, each with their own narrative prompts. Whenever you see a table, you can choose a random prompt, select a specific prompt, or have someone pick a prompt for you. Um, other than that, we're pretty good to go. So let's begin. So, Alrighty. Page one, describe the war. Read this part aloud. I mean, we're going to read every part aloud, but read this part aloud. I'll read this part aloud. A final battle, a decision to make. What will you sacrifice to make it through? Your love, your life, or peace itself? We're going to take a moment to build a little of the world we are playing in. Just enough to get you started. We want to leave plenty of room to establish things as we play out our mech's memories. If you are playing this game with more than one player, all players describe the war together. Each mech is fighting in a different part of the conflict. You might know each other, or maybe even traded blows once upon a time. Maybe you've never even heard of them. Go into as much detail as you like. Give things names, come up with technobabble, or leave it for your memories. Talk about the forces that led to the conflict, to your creation, and why your pilot is with you. So we begin by describing what our war is for. We can roll for this, or we can just pick the one that we're most interested in. Um, what are you feeling? Um, it's always tough. I always enjoy rolling, but then when I roll and I find the thing that's least interesting is the one I land on, it's always... Hmm. Well, that's um, still useful, because that it is. allows it us helps to you tell whittle them what down. You want. So, um, I mean... 
it's yeah. a it's a useful shortcut there. But um, I hmm, let's let me take a look at them really quickly to see if there's any that just jump out to me. So the six that uh, we have are it is this is a war for national prestige. This is a war over resources. This is a war for the rights to control our world. This is a war for the future of our species. This is a war with no end. This is a war for profit. I think the ones that I'm least interested in out of these are probably for national prestige. Mm -hmm. Um, And actually, yeah, I think that's the one, that's the only one that I probably wouldn't want to do. The other ones I would all be potentially interested in. Mm -hmm. Cool. So if you want to roll D6 and then drop the one or something like that, I'd be happy to do that, but it's up to Uh, you. Sure, we can do that. Where's my big bucket of dice? Do I have a D6 in here? I would hope so. <laughs> You'd be surprised. They might all be in my uh, in my actual work bag with the dice that get used regularly. <laughs> I rolled a four. It's a war for the future of our species. All right. So I guess my question then is: Is this mechs versus? Mechs and humans up against some weird alien thing? Is it mechs and humans against a, a very humanoid alien race that also uses mechs? Is it humans versus uh, humans from Earth versus humans from some other part of space? Mm, um, I don't think I want to add Noah Zero. It, well, honest. or Universal Century, because Universal yeah, Century yeah, is yeah. about the space noids war for independence. So they claim. It's actually a war for national prestige and profit and resources and with no end. Um, or, you know, is it some other war for the future of our species? Is it a war over climate change? And uh, Yeah, I mean, how literally do we have to take this? It can be, it can be you are up against... You are actually fighting against a force that wants to destroy the species or it can be you are fighting to resolve some internal conflict that is that if we do not settle now will destroy the species i do kind of so the the things that i've i do kind of like that i immediately thought of is it would be kind of interesting to do the sort of unknowable force monstrosities that are trying to destroy humanity sure um but it would also be interesting to do something like climate change where it's more of but it's but i but i it would be fun to do in the context of debates and of discussing how to resolve it but it would also be fun to do it in a more literal sense where these mechs are actually directly in charge of figuring out how to prevent ecological disasters Interesting. So it's on the front lines of like disaster relief or using these machines to prevent, you know, tsunamis from wiping out various like places. And maybe there are even like that's really that's a really interesting war for climate change. I mean, it's a very literal war for climate change. Yeah, but I'm kind Um, of like here for it. It takes that line from um from. It takes that line from Pacific Rim, when you're in a Jaeger, you can fight the hurricane to a whole other <laughs> fucking perspective. It's like, yeah, we're going to uh, go fight hurricanes. I mean, I kinda, I've i always loved that line. I always was just like, that's such bullshit. I love it. It's great. Um, 
And I do, I mean, I do also kind of like the idea that there's maybe some faction or force that is opposed to this method for some reason, either because they don't think it'll work, because it hurts, cuts into their bottom line, whatever. Um, I mean, but I like the idea... That we're running, like, you're running up against um, people that are afraid of the... that What's going to happen when these machines are done mm-hmm. fighting the environmental change? What's going to happen then? Yeah, I mean, there are always a lot of different forces that might be suspicious of this sort of thing. I mean, like, that's very... Have you played Horizon Zero Dawn? Uh, I am aware of it, but I don't have a PlayStation. So. Gotcha. That's valid. Um, it is a... I, I like the game. And that is essentially, if you don't mind any spoilers, um, no, it's that is essentially what it comes down to. They basically create, like, a massive uh, robot army, but not really an army, like a workforce, and all of this technology, terraforming and whatnot, to prevent an ecological apocalypse. Um, and then because they're, because they're greedy and because they're stupid and because they intentionally turn those robots that were made to prevent the ecological destruction of the human race towards war and towards profit um, and send them into third world countries and give them all of this independence, but only in terms of being able to destroy, they eventually do lose their ability to control sort of them. be these peaceful things yeah. and instead turn to, to violence. Yeah, um, it's do. more complicated than that, but it's I do I do kind of like that bit. Um that's cool. Yeah. All right, yeah. Cool. So it sounds like we're doing a war for the future of our species and it's we are environmental disaster relief robots, which is cool because I'm very interested at the moment in what our non military Yeah, I well so yeah, within the context of the games, we are militarized machines. So I'm wondering if like Oh yeah, I mean I think there totally are like I think we they have, have guns they have guns. Yeah, we and have stuff. weaponry. Because there are there like, are people that threaten us and there are probably I mean like like if we want to go really on our bullshit, we can say that as part of the technological advancement of this society, we maybe did prevent ecological collapse in the past, but then as a result of that, all of this weirdness was created and the world became even more unstable. And now there are creatures and weird things and mutations and all sorts of nonsense that we oh, have I to was just, I was just going to say that a component of... I was going to go for more hewing towards anime levels of realism, at the very least, <laughs> um, where, you know, there are, in, as part of the whole stabilizing... A, a place in the lead up to an environmental disaster, like there you, I mean, you have to deploy military forces to stop rioting. So if you're going to deploy giant robots to fight hurricanes, why don't they also have the ability to control rioting? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because no, that word, that definitely works too. Sure. Why not? Why don't we send the military in to provide disaster relief? Cause that seems like a good idea. They have discipline. It's going to mm-hmm. be great. They're so disciplined. Um, um, yeah, totally. Cool. I think that All works right, as yeah. well. All right, yeah. So now we go on to what were you built for? Um, um, so the options are to test a new... Yeah, you can read these up. Oh, okay. Sorry. I was just sort of reading them myself. Um, to test a new weapon system, to be a perfect machine for my pilot, to kill the enemy's ace, to smash their fortress. Yeah, that one doesn't really make sense. To ensure our secrets stay hidden, to show the way forward. Um, I feel like the ones that make the most sense are five, six, and maybe one, but one would have, would be like an adapted version of that. It's not necessarily a weapon, but some sort of technology. 
Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I don't think Fortress really makes that much sense either. Yeah. I don't think Ace or Fortress really make much sense unless we wanted to define Fortress really broadly as like there's some very yeah. specific anime bullshit thing that we there's have. A to... weird, there's a weird meteorite that's causing the environmental collapse yeah, exactly. and we're going like, to fight our way through storms to get there. We have to fight our way through storms to get to like the old technology that they tried to use to prevent the destruction of the Earth, but it's turned against us or whatever. I don't know that I necessarily want to do that. Yeah, um, no, I'm, I'm, I'm good to not do that. I'm not even... Uh, like necessarily super into um, for this one at least the idea of we are the heroic machine. I'm more interested in the we are machines that are just in this space, um, and the narrative has chosen to focus on us. But it's not necessarily like we're not any more capable than any of the other machines within this narrative. Yeah. Totally. So, which could still be test a new weapon system. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that doesn't necessarily mean that we have to be the only ones testing that new weapon system. We yeah, could be like a whole line of mechs that were introduced. I just um, remembered that to ensure our st- secrets stay hidden and show the way forward are both prompts from uh, based on things that happen in Gundam Double O, and they're both <laughs> based on things that happen to the one mech and pilot. <laughs> because um, Setsuna's mech is the anti-Gundam mech that they made to uh, fight uh, other mechs. If if any of the if any of the Gundam Meisters went rogue, God. And tried to steal the Gundam for their own. I purposes, need to watch Double O. Setsuna's role is to kill them. Mm-hmm. You gotta have it. You you gotta have it. Gotta have that failsafe. And then you know, show the way forward for when in the last couple of episodes of the anime, it's revealed that the Gundams have psychic resonance wave generators and empathy motors to <laughs> sympathize telepathically and understand everyone. Dope. <laughs> Dumb, but dope. I thought it was just um, a Gundam double O, but it's actually in a bunch of Gundam series. Alright. Um, I also don't know that to, to be a perfect machine for my pilot really makes sense either. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like we're leaning towards test a new weapon system. I think test a new weapon system. And I guess that weapon sense. system is the whatever it we're using to fight the... Yeah, what would that be? I mean, like, is it some sort of, like... Well, I'm wondering... So if the mechs existed before as weapons of war, mm-hmm. and we assume they had some weird... Often, you know, oh, they have a special reactor that makes this even possible because you need yeah. weird yeah, energy yeah. density to make a mech a worthwhile weapon. Um, so it might have just been like, oh, we have these high-energy... Uh, we have this new high energy machine. It uses fuckloads of power, but it can, you know, deactivate anomalous weather events. It needs to be mobile because otherwise we need to build thousands of them and put them everywhere on the planet. Um, how are we going to make them mobile and give them the power supply they need? Oh, well, we'll just strap them to these war machines that produce way more power than they need. Yeah, totally. So we so you you think it's just sort of some sort of like I don't know generator or something like yeah, that that interferes that with plugs into our reactors and diverts energy to diffuse something. You know? uh, do we do we want a name for it? Just not that. Oh, we should probably have a good name for it, shouldn't we? Um, yeah, we probably should. Uh, I was built to test the new. Um, I definitely like anomalous. Anomalous is a good word. Or anomaly be the anti-anomaly radiant wave engine. 
or it could be something smaller, shorter, rather. I kind of want the word ecology in there somewhere for some reason. Mm, okay, okay. Um, ecology defense wave? Um, that kind of works, but it'd be kind of fun if... Hmm. I'm trying to think of a way to combine anomalous or anomaly with ecology. Um, and it's tricky. Um, let's see. Like anomalous... I'm feeling no. I, I'm I'm feeling anomalous energy ecology defense system. Anomalous energy defense system. You're like, what does that abbreviate to? Yes. It's two E's. A E E D S. <laughs> Eds. <laughs> um logical anomaly. How about ecological anomaly defense system or something like that? Or deactivation system? Yeah. So what is that abbreviated out to? Uh, um, that is E-A-D-S. So EADS again. <laughs> <laughs> we could switch out the S for a C by instead of having system, having canon. <laughs> edict. <laughs> oh, but then it's an edict. Oh, oh, oh yeah, that's, that's good. That's pretty good bullshit. Uh... Like, it's, it's spelt that way, but everyone pronounces it edict. Defense, uh, canon, core. Uh, it could be defense core. That's fine, too. Like, we just need that C. It could be system spelt with a C. Like, whatever. No. No. <laughs> just the CIS system. Um, no, that's not a good idea. Ecological anomalous defense core. I like that. Let's go with that. Yeah. Wow. Edict. I can't wait for that. Be like, we've got to get out of here. They're bringing in an edict. <sighs> the UN's declared an edict. <laughs> um, okay, so okay. next one. When yeah. you first met your pilot, what about them seized your attention? So this one we answer for ourselves. Yep. Um, it occurs to me I'm going to probably, at some point, need a random number generator. So I'm going to pull that up now. Can I roll a d10 and drop the 10? Yes, but, I mean, then you'll have... You can do that for this one, but we will need... I, you know, I have bigger dice. I have a, D, I have a D100. Figure, we'll figure it out. Yeah. Oh, gee. All right, I have my random number generator for later. <laughs> um, what one am I feeling? You know what I'm going to do, random for mine, because I can't be fucked. Generate. Oh, okay. Okay. Which one did you get? I got number one. The thing oh, I also it... rolled. I also rolled number one. <laughs> well, I can re-roll if you'd like. No, I. Well, I'm actually leaning towards uh, five because I like the idea of mm -hmm, mm -hmm. someone who does just genuinely love the nature and beauty of the world, who is involved in essentially like suppressing the world's reaction towards humanity. Mm -hmm. Um. Oh, but. right, yeah. Because when you said suppressing the world's reaction towards humanity, I normally hear the world as meaning the people of the world, so I was really no. confused for half no, a second. No. I'm like, no, no you mean like the environment of the world. The That's really good. Um, so I think I'm going to go with that one, so feel free to take number one if you want. Cool. So number five, by the way, for those playing at home, is they saw beauty in all things. And number one is the, <laughs> the way others swooned in their presence. So I think that there is something about my pilot that uh, they, they carry themselves in a way that they know 
that they are this beautiful person and it doesn't really matter to them whether other people see it or not because they know how beautiful they feel and they dress accordingly and so it kind of creates this feedback loop of they know they're pretty and so if you don't know they're pretty then i mean are you perhaps missing something I think that my pilot is pretty ordinary in terms of like how the world perceives them. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think that I, I think that my mech is kind of, it's still one of these mechs, but it's always been like, it's, it was one of the first ones and it's very beaten up and barely like working compared Mm -hmm. to a lot of the other ones. You've been through a lot of hurricanes Been through a lot of hurricanes, probably been deployed on like the front lines to prevent rioting um, and been through like some things that they didn't necessarily want to participate in, but felt, you know, obligated to because that was what the orders were. Um, And I think the fact that this pilot still sees them as like a valuable machine, but not even that, but like as a person and as a beautiful being in and of themselves is very like touching to this, to this mech. Mm -hmm. And then also the fact that like, despite that we're going out into the world to, as I said, sort of suppress its natural urges. Um, the fact that they make an effort to try to understand what's going on and to leave as little bit, as little impact as possible and to sort of be mindful about what leave only giant footprints, take yeah. only sensor readings. <laughs> Um, their, their ethos is very much about like trying to appreciate and maintain and, and safeguard rather than just like fight it and prevent it and, and wrestle it. Um, even though that's not necessarily always what they are forced to do. I have Um, a name for my pilot. Ooh. I, uh, I, I, uh, conjured from my mind Andreas and then it turns out Andreas is a real name it's the German version of Andre I mean I I, yeah it's very similar to my name yeah I didn't think about that (laughs) but you're right oh also there is a the original Greek is Andreas as well which makes sense Mm -hmm. yeah I I knew a fellow named Andreas who went to my to my uh, family church when I was younger Oh, that's kind of cool. All right, excellent. You don't need a name for your pilot. I just, you know, thought of one. So I'm like, I'm going to write that down before I forget it. I don't know that I... Yeah, I don't know that I do want a name. I, the last two times I've played, I didn't give my pilot a name until later on in the game because it didn't... It wasn't necessary. I didn't feel it yet. I was waiting to see who they were. Sure. Totally. So that's fine. Um, cool. So now we've got all that down. It's time to relive our memories. Now we take it in turns, reliving the memories of our love for our pilot. Uh, These are the memories that rush through our AI core as we stand on the field of battle, forced to make a choice about our futures. We should decide now if we want to do three, five, or seven scenes each. Seven is a good fit for one player. Three is good choice for four. Uh, You can do as many as you want, but all players must do the same amount. Uh, Find a good balance for everyone. So how many do you feel like doing? I think five is probably appropriate for two players. Does that feel right? Yep. Let's do five scenes. Oh. Um, the person who most recently confessed their love for someone goes first. Uh, I confessed my love for someone last year. Um, been a lot longer than that for me. 
All right. Well, I guess I go first. <laughs> um, pick a prompt from the list. Describe a scene. The scene aloud based on the prompt. Uh, once you're done, mark your chassis as a reminder. A tally mark on your hand will do, but you can do more complex things if you want. Um, now pass the spotlight to another player. If you're alone, take a moment between each memory to reflect and center yourself. Uh, and we read the following text before we do a scene. You don't have to read it every time, but it is useful um, at the beginning at the very least. Um, I'll read that in a second. Um, how are you going to choose your prompts? Um, I think I am going to roll and see what comes up. want random... Did you want my random.org link? Nope. I'll, 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 I gotcha. I got it. Um, I will probably also go random, and I will probably skip ones that I've already done before or uh, that uh, I'm not feeling in the moment. So sure. let's just set this to... I accidentally I put in 10 instead of 30. <laughs> um, if, uh, if we're playing with more people, I might be like, I'm going to... I'll probably pick somebody who was going to pick their pick them manually and then be like, I'm going to, I'm going to do exactly the same prompts that you do. <laughs> um, but let's go generate. Okay. Wow. What'd that's a, that's, that's an interesting one to start with. I uh -huh. got 30 when command tried to keep you apart. Oh, yeah, that is fun. It is important, important to know that these memories are not necessarily linear. Um, sure, yeah, they're just coming. They're just flowing through you. Um, I am a river through which time flows. Um, okay, sure. So, focus on your love and tell us what you remember. I remember being on an airfield, uh, engineers crawling over my uh, damaged body, uh, removing components that were no longer functioning, prying open the cockpit to free my pilot, Andreas. Uh, their beauty not in any way lessened by the uh, bleeding head wound uh, above their eye as they climbed out of the cockpit uh, and... Uh, officials from well who who actually does control us are we are we UN peacekeepers um I, I mean yeah maybe uh, like we're some sort of disaster relief service like the disaster relief Corps the ecological yeah. resistance Corps like we can come up with some bullshit name yeah I think we see these we see UN bureaucrats we'll call them marching towards the mech and they're shouting at uh one of them is shouting at uh andreas uh over the sounds of uh whirring engines from whatever machines lift us into the fight um and i'm there sort of attempting to move my fingers and i can't quite move them there's something wrong with all my actuators it feels like my power is not being distributed evenly through my frame and i can remember them telling andreas that uh they were going to take 
me away from them, that I wouldn't, that uh, there was other pilots that would be of better served um, by being in command of my machine and that uh, Andreas didn't deserve to be out there and I can remember the satisfaction that I felt when uh, Andreas uh, need uh, that official in the gut uh, and told them that uh, no one was going to take them away from me. Yeah. And that is what I remember. Damn. All right. Um, let me go ahead and roll. All right. I got an 18. 18. When one of you confessed your feelings for the first time. Oh, that's a cool one. Yeah, it is. Um, I think the scene that we see is the two of them, um, one a kind of beaten down, not quite rusty, but almost rusty looking mech, and the other um, a pretty, very, very slim, very, very just sort of slip of a person with mousy brown hair, standing at the edge of sort of a giant hole into the earth that was left by an ecological disaster, by a really devastating earthquake, um, standing at the edge after having made with their crew several success, unsuccessful attempts to try and restitch the world together. And we see the pilot sort of sitting with their, their legs kicking off the edge of this giant hole in the ground and then the mech standing behind them. Um, and I think all we see is the mech, after a moment, after a few seconds, maybe even a minute, it feels like the mech then sits down with its legs over the edge of the, of the hole as well and puts a giant hand around the pilot's shoulders. And then the pilot, after a moment of hesitation and a look of surprise on their face, um, rests their head against the arm of the mech. I think mm. that's, that's all we see. I think that that's a good one. Um, yeah, I love that. Um, we're going to take a short break. Thanks for listening to Insert Quest here. If you want to get yourself a copy of this game, you can find it by clicking on the store link up above or by going to itch.io and searching for the game's title there. I hope you enjoy the rest of the episode. Excellent. All right. Well, so something that we forgot to do after our scenes was mark our chassis. (gasps) Yes, we did. Uh, so I'm going to mark mine on my wrist with a simple tally for today. I'm just going to put a one. I'm going to do the same. If this sharpie will work. There it is. <laughs> uh, excellent. All right. On to our next scene. And I've oh, I've got the wrong browser open. That's why. Um, 16. How they spoke when they thought you weren't listening. Fucking hell. I'm getting all the like super heavy... That's difficult one. emotional ones. <laughs> um, fuck, all right. I think we see a 
the barest definition of a hanger. It's mostly like a marquee. It's there's some metal support structures holding up a plastic tarp uh, over a mech that is in the middle of a rebuild. Um, we can see cables trailing off of it, big, huge, thick power cables plugging into um, into like a power grid. Um, and see them trailing off under the under the rain slicked. Um, plastic sheeting. Um, the way the scene is framed, it's very obvious that we're meant to infer that the mech is uh, offline or sleeping or powered down or some kind of like recuperative state mode. And we can see this pilot um, with a scar above their eyebrow uh, in like... Uh, they kind of look like they're in like a cross between... An outfit that suggests I am about to go uh, nightclubbing or to a risque dinner event uh, with a dash of I am ready to uh, start a riot. I think that there is some kind of pilot's jacket with like patches covering it indicating some kind of rebellious attitude with some kind of split leg skirt with like fishnets under it and like big, huge combat boots. Hell yeah. Some, some kind of crop top. Uh, I think we see an ear ringed with piercings um, as this pilot looks at their mech with, there's a few panels on this mech that are, uh, that are like old, but have color to them. And then there's like new brushed, freshly polished panels and then there's sections with no paneling at all and just raw machine. You can sort of hear the pilot um, sort of running their hand along the new panels. We can hear it sort of the sound of their skin dragging across the metal. And then we can sort of hear their nails grazing against this metal. We hear the pilot talking about wanting to help them help their mech feel better when they wake up and wanting to wanting to find what their mech wants to look like after they're done recovering. And I think we can kind of hear their voice cracking um, as they say, uh, I need you to come back. I can't go on without you. And then I think we can sort of, we feel as the viewer, I suppose, the ethereal viewer, we feel this heat fill the space as we hear this deep but still feminine voice emanating from the machine. Um, uh, and it says, uh, and we hear, hear them say, I guess we hear me say, because I am the mech, um, I'll never leave you. Uh, and then I think that's where the scene closes. Um, and I'm going to mark my chassis. Yeah. All right. hope I get a less emotionally, he like, distraught one soon. Yeah, you're getting all the really heavy ones. I mean, they can all be heavy, but there are some sure, that I mean, lighter. <laughs> I do like these props, though. They're very good. There was, like, almost... 
70 to begin with. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> like, I got to 20, and then I'm like, because I'm like, oh, do I want to stop at 20 so that this can be easy to roll with dice? And then I was like, oh, but if I go for an, a number that's not easy to roll with dice, it's going to be a way easier. And then I'm like, oh, I'll, I'll, all right, I either have to stop at 20 or I have to go to 100. So I tried <laughs> to go to 100, and then we were, I think we had 100, and we put it into a table, and Finn was like, if these prompts... If there's a hundred of these, it's your book is not going to be under the page requirements. I'm like, all right, 30 it is. <laughs> you know, 30 is a perfectly fine number. It seems like exactly how many you need. Yeah. All right, what are you going to do for your next prompt? Uh, let's roll and find out. That is going to be a 21. 21. Do you want to read that one out? I will. 21 is the time you took down a challenging foe. I'm excited to see how you describe this. Yeah, I don't know how I want to interpret this. Because um, we could, I mean, I could just go back to what I was already describing on a certain level if I wanted to. Um, yeah, I think I'm going to do that. So I think we open on that same rift that we saw earlier. That's that huge hole in the ground. Mm-hmm which I think is set, in my mind, is set, like, in the middle of a jungle, like, in the middle of some probably Southeast Asian jungle. Um, and it's this tremendous, this tremendous thing that just sort of sucks in all the air around it, almost, in terms of its scope and its size and, and how frightening it is to just sort of see this abyss in the ground. Um, but we pan out a little bit and we see that there is a whole squad of these mechs that's flying in and flying around like little bees buzzing around this place. And we see little flickers of light as the, uh, as the edicts sort of flash. And as the edicts flash, I think we see the air around it sort of congeal almost, not it just sort of like come together and almost bubble and then form into something more physical. And we watch as that more physical thing is then bonded with the earth around it, and we watch it take on the form of that earth and seem to start reforming and reforming. But as we watch this, um, we see how there's just not necessarily enough power. It's difficult to actually generate the amount of energy that is necessary to actually make this happen. And the abyss itself seems to have a gravitational pull almost that brings people towards its center and prevents it from prevents them from really doing their work the way they want to. And every once in a while, we'll see how this wind, this storm that seems to be whipping up around it, will pull one of these mechs into the center and prevent them from being able to continue doing their work lost forever into the center of whatever this thing is. Um, but then we zoom in a little further and we see this little brown mech with this, this little woman inside. And they float and fly around and it's all very janky it's all very clunky the way that they're flying around it's not beautiful in a traditional sense but it is effective and we watch as they weave between their comrades and they place this sort of strange foam this weird stuff that they're creating with their edicts in the way of harm and making sure that the rest of their comrades don't get hurt and we see them even 
dive further in and grab another one of their comrades, one and this one that looks like a big shiny mech with all sorts of chrome and steel and probably a little bit of camouflage on it in various places, lots of like weird flanges and and all sorts of cool stuff on it. Um, it's like twice the size of this mech, um, but it's being pulled in by this, and we watch as this little mech flies towards it and with just a massive burst of energy that must take pretty much all that it has is able to tear it from the center of this gravitational pull. And in doing that is able to allow this mech, which was taking the lead on this whole project to get back into its work to prevent the foolishness of the pilot who had, who had led it towards certain doom from uh from from causing this effort to fail and so while this little mech and its pilot don't necessarily they're not the saviors per se because they don't have the power they don't have the what it takes technologically to necessarily do it they are able to nearly sacrifice themselves to have this person who was a fool and who almost got themselves killed but did have that power to take the credit and ensure that this thing is is dealt with. And we then see a scene from above as this land is now flat and is even beginning to look fertile as we see soil is, is planted by a few of the remaining mechs, including this one. That's very cool. That's a very cool way. How do, how do we overcome this, this challenging foe as a team? Um, yeah, I think that's, that's it. Yeah, me. all right. Mark your chassis. Mm, I should probably go the other way. Yeah, I actually started like halfway down my forearm. Yeah, it was. Yeah, <laughs> I don't have a lot. I don't have a lot of room going in the direction that I probably should have <laughs> left room. So we're just gonna we're gonna do it. We're like gonna a, see how we're gonna read read as though we are Japanese on my arm. <laughs> it's a Japanese arm, you know. <laughs> I got it in Japan. <laughs> Thanks, Scarlett Johansson. Um, <laughs> all right all right Ooh, you're okay. go generate four what's four the night you spent watching comets and talking about the future oh man i love it i remember uh years ago we had undone the work of this blizzard we had stopped it from reaching its cataclysmic potential uh, and with the edicts fulfilled, uh, most of the mechs returned home, but a few of us stayed behind. And I can remember wanting to spend more time with my pilot. I wanted to just be together with them in a, in a way where we weren't trying to fix something or trying to undo some cataclysm. I just wanted to be with them in a more relaxed space in without the pretense of work and i didn't really know what that was at the time i didn't have the words to describe what that was and i remember asking them or rather telling them that i wanted to collect data on the upcoming uh astrological phenomenon um, and that I had heard that there would be uh, uh, comets streaking through the sky um, uh, that evening 
and that we were in a ideal position to observe this phenomenon. And I wondered if they would assist me in making observations. And, you know, they agreed with a bit of a, a smile and a chuckle. Um, and I can remember them saying to me, and I didn't really understand it at the time, but I can remember them saying to me, yes, I would love to go stargazing with you. It sounds like a lovely date. And I sat there with my legs pulled up to my chest, all of my senses turned upwards, pulling in information. And we talked about what it was and how it happened. And then I asked them if it was something we'd ever have to stop. And they told me about asteroid impacts and what the effects of those might be and how that wasn't really what we were made to stop, but there's no reason why we couldn't be used for it. And then I asked them what they will do with me after my service life is at its end. Um, they sort of went quiet for a while. And I thought maybe I'd asked something that I wasn't meant to talk about. And they said to me that we shouldn't worry about that because everything was going to be okay. And I wasn't really worried at the time, but I certainly felt at ease after they said that because I knew that I could trust them. And then we just spent the rest of that night laying together as I kept them warm with the heat of my engine and we watched the stars. Yeah. And I'm going to mark my chassis. Hmm. Um, cool. Grab my dice. All right. Let's see what I want to do. Um, we're recording, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, awesome. Um, let's see. Oh, well, that one fell, fell on the ground, so. That is uh, 16. I might want to re-roll since you already did that one. Sure. And that is 11. Where you were when you realized you loved them. Hmm. Okay. Mm, interesting. That's kind of similar to the other one, but it does it have some... It does have some other opportunities. It does, yes. Uh, it definitely does. Could be um, a shorter one, too. I can, I can yeah. definitely see that one being like... Uh, not that I'm saying do a short one. I'm just thinking out loud. I think that it was pretty simple, honestly. I think that uh, the mech was just... It was in its its bay, you know, being repaired, being... In the Shadow Dome. Yeah. <laughs> under maintenance sort of hanging as they do. Um, and similar to how you described um, your Mac, I think that it was in that sort of depowered mode. But the thing that the humans don't know is that when you're in depowered mode, you're still recording information. Um, and which, you know, might be sinister, but might be lovely. Yeah, it depends on the mech, right? It really does. So I think... What we see is just a very quick scene of this person, of this this small person in their brown jacket, wearing I think a, a just sort of really, really battered Dodgers baseball cap. I think they wear it pretty much all the time when they don't have to be in the in you know in the cockpit. 
and it always sort of shadows their face a little bit. And they, they're just talking to somebody, and that person, we're able to intuit, although I don't know that the mech is able to understand, but that person has clearly gone through some sort of bad breakup or something like that, um, something just emotionally devastating, but not necessarily emotionally devastating in the, in the permanent sense, if that makes sense. I mean, all, all emotional devastation leaves its marks, but not, not the sort of thing that you can't move on from and find, find something new again, but something that in the moment that was very, very, very hurtful that, that really left this other person in a lot of distress. And I think we just see the, the pilot just sort of like takes them and, and just gives them a really big, good hug. And, and, it lasts for a long while and this person is still talking for a while while they're being hugged and then eventually just sort of stops and lets themselves sit there and, and be held. And we see the pilot just sort of take this person and even though this person is probably a good foot taller than them, the pilot gets up on their tiptoes and holds their hands out and looks this person in, in the eyes with their their fingers on this person's temples. Um, and without really even saying anything, we just see this this feeling of relief, not, not you know, healing, not like things are fixed, but this feeling of this person knows that the pilot is going to be there for them and that the pilot cares what happened to them and wants to be by their side. And I think the mech just knows in that moment that this person cares about things, cares about people, and, and want the mech wants to be cared about in that way. That's quite beautiful. All right. I'll mark my, my hand. It's not my hand. It's my wrist. I'll it's mark it chassis. Down. I'll mark my chassis. <laughs> it could be the, the, the wrist part of my chassis. Could be. Cool. Okay. Two more scenes to go. Um... I keep losing the window. There it is. Generate. What are we getting? 12. Oh, God. Oh, goodness. Oh, God. That's fun. That's so spicy. Oh, wow. You should read it out loud. You should read it out loud. How they helped you understand the weight of taking a life, which I guess I'm talking about the riots part of this now. Jesus. Hot damn. That one's rough. That's like full spice. (laughs) All right. Okay. I can remember standing in what amounted to a city, um, bushland creeping into its edges. Um, It had... There were parts of this place, this city, that stretched on for hundreds of kilometres with these creeping inland probes that jutted out into this bushland. Um, And I remember it erupting in flames. Even in the winter, this place was scorching hot. Trees exploding um, as they caught a light. Their, uh, the, the chemicals in their sap 
uh, like gasoline. Uh, I can remember all these mechs fighting to push the fire back uh, to try and save homes. And the people scrambling to find a way out of the city. But it was too late for them to flee. And so we were told to keep the people in their houses. And at a roadblock, there was this man. He wouldn't stop shouting and trying to get the people. And they were listening and... He was convincing them that they needed to run the barricade and that they could get through before the fires closed in. Um, And I remember him saying, they're not going to shoot us just to try and keep us uh, from driving past. And when he said that, I felt, my weapon safeties fall away and it was easy to track him and the firing solution came almost instantaneously he was not a difficult target to hit and without even asking for the pilot's permission i almost fired straight through him i could feel something in the back of my existence telling me that I could suppress the riot if I took out this dissenter, that the show of force would silence them and make them curtail uh, and bow down to our power. And I remember the pilot's hand gripping the control sticks so tight and their voice cutting through the cockpit and cutting through the noise of the fires and the mechs and the engines of these people's cars and the screaming of this crowd. And I can remember the pilot whispering inside the cockpit that he didn't have to kill these people, that it wasn't worth me carrying that weight with me and that I wouldn't be able to undo it after I pulled the trigger, but somebody else did where I want to end that scene. All right, mark it up. Yeah, fucking hell. Whoever wrote this game put in some very heavy prompts. Yeah, I, I kind of want to have a word with them. Yeah, fucking A. <laughs> God. Wow. Okay. Wow, cool robot. <laughs> cool robot. <laughs> no one dare say that Live Love Die is a cool robot game. I think I have firmly grasped the purpose of the mecha genre with this game. Um, Okay. What do you got? Um, I will find out, won't we? (laughs) Yeah, fucking hell. How about about number 28? 28 would be good. Or twenty eight's nice. Or um, um, nineteen is the one I really I really like right now. To be honest, nineteen is a good one. Nineteen's my favorite one. Fourteen is also is also very appropriate, um, or or yeah, thirteen wow. actually. 14. Anyway, I'm gonna roll, and if I don't like it, I'll just choose one of those. Yeah. 
All right, that is 16. Have we already done 16? I yeah, did we did. 16. Damn, I rolled it two times. Yeah, it really wants you to do 16. Well, I'm going to ignore it. Yeah. Damn, I just rolled 11. Are you kidding me? I just did that one. Yeah, wow, wild. What are you rolling as well? Because I'm cheating slightly. I'm yeah. rolling a... Uh, oh, well, that explains I'm literally cheating. I didn't even mean to roll that die. Uh, I was going to say... Um, Let's see. I can't think of a combination of... Dis- there isn't. I, it, it automatically cannot roll the one. Yeah. I was going to say, that, you can't roll one. I can't roll one. And that, you know what? I like rolling real dice, so I'm, I'm accepting that. No, no, no. That's fine. Um, but anyway, I finally rolled a d10 instead of a d12 in combination to this d20. Yep. Um, which is at least closer. So let's see what I got. Mm, I don't like that one. I think I'm just going to go with fruit. Yeah, or good. Fruit. Sweet. So number 19 is when you helped them pick fruit, which is inspired, inspired by Iron-Blooded Orphans. And I, yeah. it was one of the first prompts I came up with. It's a very nice prompt. All right. Uh, so. When you help them pick fruit. I think what we see is a long, long line of orchards. And it's a little different from what I think our mech and our pilot are used to. I think that our mech and our pilot have been living outside of sort of established civilization, um, or at least, you know, as many would define it for quite a while, Um, sort of been on the front lines preventing disasters and doing their best to deal with the sort of things that are far away from, from human life, but at the same time can absolutely destroy human life if they're left to their own devices. Um, So I think it's a little unusual to see them in this very manicured, very particularized orchard. Um, I think it probably grows, I don't know, let's see. I can't be apples, it's just too much. Um, I think it's it's mostly plum trees. Um, A lot of of ripe little purple, purple fruit. Um, And I think we're here. The thing, the thing that we, we realize as the mech sets down and the pilot exits the cockpit and drops to the ground, we hear a crackle from the, uh, the cockpit of a voice from somewhere else on the comms. And that voice is talking about how this is an unscheduled departure and that continued egress on this uh, on this vector is unauthorized, and then the uh, the pilot sort of looks at the mech, and then the mech sort of looks back at the pilot, and then there's a moment as the the static crackles, and then nobody's on the comms anymore, and we can't hear anything. And the mech closes its cockpit once again, and the pilot says something, and it's pretty clear that this is this is towards the end. The mech is even more beat up than when we last saw it. It's it looks like it could almost fall apart at any moment. the The limbs are stripped down. The armor is is almost gone. The joints look like they have been cleaned, but you know the pilot is only one person and can only do so much. But we watch as the two of them sort of stroll through this orchard and we listen as the pilot 
talks at length, longer than we've ever seen them talk before. We've barely even seen them speak a word. Talks at length about the beauty that is possible when humans and nature come together and when we try to cultivate things both for beauty and for enjoyment as well as for the continuation of the human race. And we move from a more cultivated part of the orchard into sort of a more garden style, sort of a, an old British romantic garden style almost. Um, and there are still trees here and there's still fruit, but it's much less, much less controlled, much less for particular consumption. And we watch as the, uh, the pilot, this, this small person tries to climb up this, this tree and it's not a particularly big tree, but we, we now see that the pilot is also injured and has a cast on their left arm and trying to climb up even this small tree is very difficult. And after a moment, the mech reaches down its hands and lifts the pilot up and they grab the fruit. And then the shot zooms out as they're just eating fruit in the arms of the mech and the mech's just standing there and the, the sun is setting. I love it. All right. And I'll mark my I'll mark my wrist. All right. My chassis. Here we go. Let's Your see. Last scene. Let's see what these last scenes before the finale give mm-hmm. us. Am I getting Oh boy! I like this one. I got six when you first showed your full power. Oh dang, hell yeah. We got a bit of cool robot. <laughs> it's time for cool robot. Hmm. Yeah, alright. I think this is gonna be like a fast and hard one. I think we see um this mech painted it like uh in a mixture of like um urban graffiti, like artistic graffiti. Um but yeah, like tagging and stuff. I think we see that. Uh a mixture of that and also like um full body tattooing and like old school style tattoos and like military looking tattoos like painted onto this mech and we can see like these um these fins and stuff coming off of its back and like this huge gun in its hands and like these mech pistols strapped to its thighs um actually they're probably hanging under its armpits or something um and we can uh, we see them sort of like standing there uh, in this heavy um, rain, like uh, pounding rain. Um, and there's this groaning um, siren, um, and uh, and water like around its ankles, which is even higher. We can see them like lifting cars uh, up out of the water. Um, uh, and like passing them to other mechs and like mechs, like scooping up people and running through the water up streets, up hills. Um, and we can hear all this shouting. Um, and then, uh, I think we turn, the mech turns and sees this, wave coming in as all these other mechs are like pounding up the road and that sort of looks around at the group of the mechs 
and we see it chuck its gun away as the fins on its back start to reconfigure and it runs towards this wave uh, and its hands start to glow as power is being diverted through it. Um, and it uh, just raises its palms up at this gigantic tidal wave, this huge tsunami wave, uh, as it raises its hands up uh, towards it. And this bright white light just flash boils the whole wave uh, in this blinding light as this like rush of steam uh, pushes back out towards the sea. Um, uh, and then I think we see the mech like sort of collapse uh, into the, onto the beach, onto the harbour um, and sort of slowly start to pick itself up like grabbing at a building and crumbling half of this building as it levers itself up onto its full height again. The fins on its back, like moving from like this bristling, sharp, almost Godzilla spikes on its back, sort of relaxing into like folded wings um, as its hands have like smoke and steam just wafting off of them. Um, and we sort of see the sun like break through the clouds uh, and burn off this this mist. Hell yeah! Yeah. So that's my fifth one. All right. Twenty-seven. That one petty thing you always argued over. Ah oh, yes. Huh. <laughs> um. It took forever to write that prompt. That's a really interesting one. I'm trying to figure out how I want to like frame it. Um, what would they have argued over? That one actually came from a th- from a thing that happened in the first Live Love Die play test, where um where um Alex and his mech were always um like his mech were they were kind of their relationship was like husband and wife, uh and the and the mech was always like being protective and being like, oh, you need to think about your future and what you're going to do after the, after you're done with your current mercenary tour. And, you know, you know, where are we going to, where are we going to settle down? And, you know, have you thought about, you know, how we're going to pay for things once we're out of here? It's not easy Mm -hmm. to keep a mech like me running. So there was, (laughs) there was this like conflict between. That's very good. uh, You need to think about the future and like, yeah, it'll be fine. It'll sort itself out. It's like, it won't, you've got it. You've got to think about these things. Yeah, yeah, that's really that's really fun. Um, petty thing. I want it needs to be petty. I want it to be petty. Yeah, it's a thing that like you could ignore, and it would probably be fine. Yeah, yeah, totally. It's something um, that you almost enjoyed arguing over. Mm-hmm, totally. Um, you know, Caitlin and Wilfred. Uh, you know, pretending to. Wilfred pretending not to want Caitlin to hug him. Oh, Wilfred. These little squirms of no when she <laughs> hugs him. That's so cute. Yeah, I think I, I think it's something like that. Um, I think it's the fact that they, the pilot, always wants to do all of the maintenance on the mech mm-hmm. top to bottom and 
like from the very beginning has always wanted to do all of the maintenance, all of the cleaning, every last little bit and do their best to make me, to make the mech as, as beautiful and as functional as possible. And so I think what we see is the first time this happens, um, probably when they first met, really. Um, and we hear, once again, some UN bureaucrat type uh, sort of walk the pilot into the room and say, all right, this is, you know, this is your mech. You've, you've been assigned, assigned uh, unit 0013334. Um, one of our older models. I'm sure that you'll be able to figure it out. Your, you know, your record speaks for itself. <laughs> and then they just fuck off and leave. Um, and this person, the pilot, is left with this. Even at this point, even early in his career, still, still sort of small, still sort of scraggly, still very brown mech. Um, and I think the mech is sort of gazing at this pilot, and we get this uh sort of in the cockpit we get flashes of all of the previous pilots and none of them have lasted for longer than like a month or two um god (laughs) because they always just sort of they always just sort of transfer or leave or like they don't know how to handle the mech and they die um and yeah everybody sort of thinks that this mech has a reputation for either being a death trap or for just being useless um and so they're sort of running through all of this data and we're, they, they're clearly expecting this pilot to look on them with disdain or with something akin to frustration. But the pilot just comes up and just sort of takes, first what they do is they take just like a scrubbing brush and a pail of water, of, of soapy water, and they just start chiseling all of the grime off of the mech. And the mech, after a while, actually speaks up and we hear it say something to the to the effect of it would be greatly inefficient for you to continue in the current uh, in the current vector in the current fashion um and the pilot just sort of responds with the uh, verbal equivalent of a shrug emoji and keeps going and this goes on we, we see a montage of this going on over the course of like four hours as this unused and ill-treated mech is just scrubbed to the absolute cleanest it possibly could be by one person. I'm just while picturing the, mech, the lo-fi hip-hop as, uh, yeah, as absolutely. you scrub this mech clean. They're absolutely, and that's actually absolutely true. We definitely hear the pilot just like put on some tunes in the background that they're just sort of quietly jamming out to. And nobody else really comes in for the most part. Some people come in, we see like a couple people snickering at the door being like, what the fuck are they doing? (laughs) Um, And the mech is getting like increasingly confused and frustrated at the pilot just being like, "Uh, uh, although I am aware that my maintenance is not a high priority, I would prefer that you find the, uh, the assistance of a full maintenance team in order to keep yourself at maximum, at maximum productivity levels. Um, but the pilot just sort of shrugs and keeps doing what they were doing. And we finally reach like the end of the day. Like it's, it's the sun is starting to go down. Um, and the pilot finally, finally puts down their brush after having cleaned this mech from toe to tip. And we 
hear the mech say, <laughs> that was inefficient. <laughs> and <laughs> I am unsure of your purpose. And then the pilot responds, well, we're going to be sure of our purpose together. Mm, I like that. And that's end of scene. Cool. Well, I've got five marks on my chassis. And I do now as well. I guess it's time to make our choice. Yeah, page three. Now that we've done all our scenes, it's time for one last moment. Uh, Do you want to read the following aloud? Sure. You see yourself in a war zone. A mech and their pilot standing on the battlefield fighting as one. There is a moment of calm amidst the fury. You see all the moments that led you here stretched out like a sea of thought around you. The future looms in your cybernetic mind. This battle will see you break. And you have to make a choice. Each player describes how their mech makes the choice about their future and what the outcome is. Bear witness to each mech's final moments. Um, so... Do you want to uh, read the options? I will read the options. Um, you sacrifice your life to save your love. The mech dies, but the pilot lives. You sacrifice your love to end the war. You both die for something bigger than yourselves. You sacrifice peace to keep your love. The war goes on, but at least you'll survived, right? Um, so you make those choices for yourself. It's interesting to see how this... Uh, what this will look like considering that our enemy is environmental collapse um, or rioters. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a difficult one. Hmm. I know which option I want to choose. I just don't know what my final moment looks like yet. Like mm-hmm. what, I know what which I'm, option I want to choose as well, but I'm also I'm, having difficulty figuring out what it wants to look like. I mean, I could just go with what I foreshadowed, but I don't know if that seems too easy. I don't know. Sometimes being on the nose is the right way to go. Sure. All right. Well, then I've got what I think I'm going to do for mine, and it's going to be a thing. Just make it a thing. Bring it into the world. Okay. Um, So, hmm. we see in the middle of... um, in the middle of various environmental operations, you know, we see a bunch of mechs, some familiar to us, some as yet unseen, sort of stop and pause as we hear. We can't hear what's being said, but we hear the audio cue of people talking on the radio, right? Like mm-hmm. there is a radio broadcast, but we can't quite hear what is being said. We hear it in a bunch of different languages. And then we see all these mechs slowly, you know, look to the sky. We see mechs in the middle of firefights looking up into the sky. We see this dark blizzard night, um, you know, snow beating against this mech and this mech, like, making a gesture that is kind of surprising of, like, clutching their, where their ear would be, like mm-hmm. they're trying to listen to a radio thing. And it's like, what? what? As they sort of turn into the wind and are like, what? <laughs> As they look up to the sky, I think we see, uh, you know, a bunch of mechs 
desperately trying to hold the ground together in this earthquake-stricken place um, and then, you know, finally managing to stop the ground from tearing itself apart and then, like, on their knees, caked in mud, looking up at the sky. Um, and I think we then turn to see this mech um, panels missing um, as... Uh, as their pilot is like spraying their, uh, spraying a piece of the chassis panel, um, and the and the mech and the pilot sort of looking to one another as the radio sound becomes clear, and we just hear um, asteroid M six forty nine will make collision with Sydney in approximately six hours. Mm-hmm. Um, as these, t- as the mech and pilot look at one another, and I think we cut to a bunch of mechs running across various runways um, and jumping into landing craft, and we see, um, and we see all these mechs together, uh, standing, um, standing uh, on buildings uh, in in Sydney uh, and their thrusters and wings and fins and all these various things reconfiguring as they shoot up into the sky um, to destroy this asteroid. I think we see, um, I think we see Andreas and my mech uh, sort of flying hands glowing um, as they are about to impact with this asteroid. Um, They sacrifice their love to end the war. I think we cut to a shot of uh, the Australian desert at night, the central desert with the red sands and the scrubland, and we see some teenagers on the back of a ute laying in the tray, looking up at the night sky as shooting stars streak across the sky with strange tinges of green light and engine plumes. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. Um, I think we cut immediately to a uh, different building in Sydney. Oh, and we see this mech also take off with the line of mechs towards the asteroid coming down. We see them streaking off into the sky. We see a lot of the same same shots, but from different angles with different focus um, on this little mech joining this last big effort to try to prevent human society from collapsing due to chance and awful circumstances. And we see them streaking up, the sounds of their engines rumbling. We see them moving to the forefront as they are giving it to their all and then as they are about to impact the asteroid we see a shot of the cockpit and we see that it's been sort of it's been sort of modified although it would have been difficult for the pilot to tell that it's been modified but we see that it's been modified with a sort of pod mechanism and we watch as as this mech is about to 
join your mech in trying to sacrifice itself, it ejects its pilot down towards the ground. Um, and we hear the pilot yelling that this was something that they were supposed to do together. Um, and yelling that without their help, the mech probably won't be able to even reach the asteroid and won't even be able to accomplish what it's supposed to do. But nothing. That doesn't change anything. And the pod goes flying towards the ground, is knocked off course as it slams into another mech, goes flying off into the water. And we get a shot later of the pilot sitting in a very, very small apartment looking out over the ocean and cleaning their window of grime with a brush. Wow. Sacrifice your life to save your love, I guess. Yeah. Wow. Oh, love this game and it works so good. Yeah, it was really fun. It was really good. Oh. I really enjoyed the way that the, the prompts made me made me think about the, the story and the world that we're creating. The end. Now that the game is over, you can take a moment to talk about what you've done together. Check in on how everyone's doing, relax, and decompress. This game has the potential to be intense. So, yeah, I got a lot of the... <laughs> you got a lot of the really heavy, really, like, dramatic ones, and I got a lot of the, like, quieter... Mm. sort of like hanging out once <laughs> i'm glad that i got the um the comets one that was good Comet yeah, that's a really good one and then it's like all right well yeah let's fight an asteroid i was in, i didn't expect you to be like yeah i'm gonna also fight the asteroid that's cool well let's that's the, uh, the thing together. is is that initially i was planning on having a similar thing to what you were saying where they would sacrifice themselves together to end the war Mm -hmm. But then I was like, well, first of all, I kind of like the idea of it being like this one thing that we're all working together towards, even if we don't know that we're working together mm -hmm. for it. Um, and then secondly, I didn't want to do the exact same one. And then I also did like the idea that over time, <laughs> over time, there's this sort of asymmetry that develops in some, time, some, in some relationships where some people, it's not that they feel less or more, they just feel differently. And where this mech realizes that even though its pilot is willing to give it all in order to make sure that things go the way they're supposed to and is willing to sacrifice, I don't think that they were. Like, I don't think that they ever cared the same way that their pilot did about the world, about like keeping it in check and making sure that everything is still in its proper place. I think that they ultimately just did care more about their pilot. So Yeah, and so pilot cares about the world the pilot should get to see the world exactly yeah wow it's a good game and i love it it's interesting when i designed this game i um very much intended for the third option in the make your choice to be the least desirable one because mm -hmm. uh, it's the like i wanted that there should definitely be one where you both survive and mm -hmm. i definitely think that it should be the bad option and mm -hmm. and that, and you know when i got to the end of designing it i was very much like no well it's not the bad option it's just a different option but it is yeah, totally. it is very much from my experience it's the one that i can't imagine picking mm -hmm. uh, i can't imagine being like yeah the war is eternal but at least i'm <laughs> me and my my lover are fine 
See, I, um, I really like that one. If we had been doing like a Worf-based one, <laughs> one that was less about sort of the end of the world and, and sort of these inscrutable forces yeah. um, and more about people and fighting, yeah. I honestly probably would have chosen that one. And I probably would have framed my characters very differently. I think if you were doing This Is A War With No End, it would be, that would oh, yeah. be a super interesting one. That would be oh, yeah. a, a super I, that was That was the second one I was looking at too, honestly. Because if it's war a war with end. no end, then number three becomes, you realize the war is going to go on forever, so why would you sacrifice yourself to try and end it? Yeah, why bother? Yeah, it's, You're it's, just a cog in a machine and they're going to spit you out. So yeah, fucking sweet. spit yourself out and yeah. do whatever you want to do. Exactly. But yeah, I uh, I thought that was really good. It's nice to see the fruit picking prompt uh, used by someone else. I think I have done... I think I've almost now, between both of us, almost done all of the prompts. Cool. I think because the first game I did, I did seven. Then I did a three-round one. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the ones we did today I've done before. I'm sure there are other ones. I think I haven't done how it felt when they touched you yet, which is good. I've definitely done your first dance, which is one that Caitlin came up with. Um, I don't think I've got to do one petty thing you always argued over, but it has been done. Mm-hmm. I think I've done when you marked your chassis together, but I'm not 100% sure. When you mark your chassis together is an interesting one. The mech and the pilot both getting tattoos is a wild Mm-hmm. that's really good yeah. i do i do like the just like the tactile feeling of of being able to mark your hand or wherever yeah it was uh a, I thought it was a cool way of marking the scenes uh and i thought that it would bring the experience together and it also like it also if you are sitting together and you've got like four people playing, it does give you something you, if you want to, you can be drawing more intricate things uh, between while you listen to someone else's scene. Mm-hmm. So you can be like, I'm going to mark my chassis now while you do your scene. And you can be like drawing things on your body, um, which was another part of that. I have a optional mechanic for um, live, love, die, which is the more adventure based mech game that I'm writing um, where pilots mark harm on their player's body. <laughs> so the mech, uh, the mech marks harm on the character sheet and you can mark harm on the pilot character sheet too. That's the way I wrote the game to begin with. But after I played this twice, I'm like, I really feel like the marking your body thing should be in Live, Love, Die, Remember. And I really like the, uh, in Live, Love, Die, rather. And I really like the idea of when the pilot takes harm, they have to mark their body. Mm-hmm. Um, although it presents complications for what happens between sessions. Yes, it definitely <laughs> does. It's like, you better fucking not rub that off. Um, yeah, cool. Uh, did you enjoy? I did. It was really fun. I, I want more opportunities to play like smaller role-playing games just because most of what I do is just very long-term campaigns, which is great. And I love that. But also it's nice to just like step in and out to do once in a while. A thing. Yeah. yeah. And to like have a thing that's finished. Yeah. You know, I've been yeah. running a role-playing game for two years and we're like, and I'm like, all right, we're finally on the last arc. It'll probably take I another do, year. I do like I do like six and twelve and like eighteen session campaigns now. Like I, that's it. Like my those are the those are the amount of sessions that I do. 
it's six, it's twelve, or it's fucking or it's eighteen. That, that's it. It's valid. Although we I, I don't have that kind of discipline, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, when I when I think of a campaign, I normally think of like I want this to be close to somewhere near to ten or somewhere near to six. So it's like it can fall short, it can go over, um, or somewhere near to uh, 15 is generally how I think of it. Um, like we did the last Live, Love, Die. The last Live, Love, Die uh, playtest was five sessions, if you don't count session zero, I think. Um, that was good. That was intended to be six, so we, we only fell one short because of timing. Uh, and that was mostly good. <laughs> Yeah, I want to do another Live, Love, Die campaign soon, but i got to write the damn interludes, which are basically going to be like these prompts, but with mechanics attached. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've been kicking my ass. At the moment, I'm focusing on just writing the prompts. I managed to do that the other day. Prom- the prompts are a very good place to start. Yeah. Oh, this is good. It's good. What? Yeah, it was really fun. Thank you for, thank you for having me. It was fun. Yeah. Yeah, indeed. Wonderful. All right. Well, thank you for being on, Andrew. And if uh, you want to hear more uh, Live, Love, Die, Remember, let us know down below. And also check out the other two recordings that we have of it uh, where I play it in single-player mode. Um, We might try and get a game of the four-person version at some point, um, which would be interesting because it's three scenes for four people, so it's quick and Um, snappy-ish. Uh, and yeah, and we also have a bunch of other content on the website, including interviews with game designers and people that work on games. Uh, we have other actual plays. We have long running series. We have play tests. We have first looks at new, uh, systems or when they came out, new systems. Uh, yeah. And so go check out all of that stuff. Um, and you can actually get a copy of live, love, die. Remember on the itch store, you can find that. Um, by searching for itch.io uh, and Ray Cox is my store, or you can search for Live, Love, Die, Remember. There'll be a link on whatever you're listening to this on, most likely, as well. Um, but for now, farewell from the past. I'm Ray.